Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, good morning. How are we doing? My name is Sean. I want to welcome you and thank you so much for being here. I'm the executive pastor. Uh, pastor Will is out this week, uh, but he's going to be back next week with us, and he's kicking off a brand new series. Uh, we are entitled, please help me with it, Why Do We Do This? Why do we do this? Uh, and we're going to be looking at this as being the church and not Brazos Fellowship, but the, the Big C Church. Why did God set up the church? And why is it endured through persecution and through so many movements that have failed? Why is this? And how can we be a part of this movement today? So um, I know Pastor Will's been talking about it. He's excited about it. And uh, you're going to want to be a part of it. Uh, it is travel season. If you um, Summertime seems to be time that everybody takes their vacations. And I don't know about y'all, but travel's a big deal in our family. Like, like we like to travel. Matter of fact, um, my oldest daughter is uh, in uh, Lucerne. No, I don't know. She's in Zambia right now. I can't think of the name of the town. Um, but she's there right now working at a camp, and that camp um, uh, is designed to share the gospel with the families uh, that live in this community that they're by. Now, we were excited about her going on this trip. I mean, we, we encourage our kids to travel. She's traveled abroad um, by herself before, but this one was a little bit different. This one, we were not... At the send-off, um, there was a lot of mom and daddy just kind of holding back tears, like, oh, it's going to be great, baby. Let me tell you why. She's traveling almost nine thousand miles. When we dropped her off the airport, she knew no one going on this trip with her. There was a large group going out of Dallas, but we didn't know if anybody was traveling with her out of Houston. Okay. There's an overnight stayover in Dubai for this traveling. You feeling me now? So we're like, Oh, and we knew whenever the plane door shut, our communication with her would be spotty at best. And so no matter where we are on a journey, it can be hectic. And luckily, she met a sweet little girl named Grace from Austin who was also going on the trip, waiting to go on it. And so whenever she texted us and said, Mom, Dad, I met somebody, we were like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Okay? <laughs> but travel can be a little intimidating. And I think the reason why is because we feel so vulnerable whenever we get taken out of our normal situation. When our normal areas that we're used to, we just feel a little bit vulnerable. We have to put trust in how we're going to travel. Whether that's a plane, train, car, or automobile, we've got to put trust it's going to get us there. We have to put trust in the guide that we're going to use. Whether we pay a guide or we use TripAdvisor, we have got to put trust in that. And we've also got to believe that we can handle whatever that journey throws at us. And so because of that, we feel a little vulnerable, but this is what I've come to learn through all of our travels, is that vulnerability is the fuel to our travels. Vulnerability gets us where we want to go. Let me explain it like this. So let's say you were single, and you were at a place, and you saw somebody across the room, and you thought, wow, I'd like to get to know them. They're a complete stranger to you, okay? You have to be vulnerable and hold eye contact with them a split second longer than what is comfortable, okay? 
and your hope is that they hold eye contact with you that same split second. And if that happens, a little bit of trust gets formed. And that little bit of trust gives you the energy to propel yourself with vulnerability to the next step, to walk up and say, hello, how are you doing? Introduce yourself to them. And you hope that they introduce stuff to you, and they're vulnerable, you're vulnerable, and a little more trust is formed. And if that trust is formed, then maybe you have the courage to say, hey, would you like to go get coffee sometime, or maybe go get some dinner? But it's vulnerability that is taking you on this journey of a relationship. Vulnerability is the key to getting us where we want to go in the next journey, in the next thing that we're doing. And so We've got to be okay with being vulnerable. Now, today I want to look at some people who decide to take a journey. Now, they want to go on this journey, but this journey is going to be just filled with um, shortcomings and frustrations and uh, a lot of chaos, but this journey will change their lives forever. And as we walk along with them, I hope that maybe you see yourself in that journey. Maybe you're here today and your journey just feels like it's just frustrating. You feel like that because people have let you down, because situations have not worked out the way you want them to work out, and you just, you just feel frustrated on your journey. Or maybe you're here today and you just feel stuck. Like you don't know where your journey's going. It hasn't been moving for a while. You're just really frustrated and you're stuck. Well, as we unpack this idea today, I hope you come to see that vulnerability has to be a part of our journey if we want to move forward. The story we're going to talk about, um, God came to a guy named Moses, and he said, hey, I want to invite you on a journey with me. Moses said, sure, let's do it. I'd love to go on a journey with you, God. He didn't really say it in that enthusiastically, but he said, okay, yes, I'll go. The first stop on the journey was to go back to Egypt. Okay, He had run away from Egypt. He's back in Egypt. He now invites his family and uh, his people to come along on this journey because God wanted them all to come along on this journey. Now, this journey would take them from Egypt to the land that was promised to their ancestor, Abraham. Okay? It would also take them out of slavery to freedom. So for this to happen, the Pharaoh had to set the children of Israel free. And for that to happen, God had to pour out a little bit of pain or a whole lot of pain on the people of Egypt. Pharaoh finally relents. He says, okay, you can go. You can be free. The, the children of Israel, they leave following Moses. And about the time they leave, Pharaoh goes, man, I made a poor decision. He sends his army after them. And that's where we pick up the story today. Um, over in Exodus 14, starting with verse 10, says this, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, um, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? <clears throat> have you, why, what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Don't say, hey, I'm struggling right now. Don't we say, to, don't we say, didn't we say to you in Egypt? There we go. Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Now, they're a little overdramatic, but maybe not. Let's picture the scene here. They've got the Red Sea on one side of them and the most powerful army in the world coming down upon them. I think they've got a little thing to, to be upset about. They're frustrated. They didn't ask to go on this journey. 
God asked them to go on this journey. And they feel like God is leading them out to their death. Guys, whenever we go on any journey, there's always excitement about it. There's always excitement about the opportunities we get to do. But there's also a little fear. And the fear comes from the fact that we have to be vulnerable. To go on this journey where we're not sure where we're going, we've got to be a little bit vulnerable. And that's scary. But this is what I've come to learn. This is the little secret. Every journey has its chaos, especially the ones with a good God. A few years ago, well, more than that, my, my family and I went on a cruise, and one of the stops was in the Grand Caymans. And Kim had um, scheduled for us to have a guide of the island, and then he was going to take us to do some stuff. My youngest daughter, Caroline, was probably in elementary, and I think uh, Liz uh, was in uh, junior high at the time. So this guy did a great job. He showed us around the island, and then he took us to go see. Really, it was the big deal was that you could swim and feed stingrays. These were not tame stingrays. These were in the wild stingrays. But there's a really cool place there. It only happens in the Grand Caymans that you can do this. So he took us, and we did that. It's really cool. You can feed them. You can pet them. You can hug them. It's kind of a crazy thing. And then after that, we went out and did some snorkeling. And he showed us some coral. He showed us some fish. And then he kind of had us kind of all come together. And we were looking down. And he had a stick with him. And he put a little piece of squid on the end of it. And he stuck it in this hole. And immediately an eel popped out. Bam! Grabbed that thing and went right in the hole. I thought that is the coolest thing ever. I mean, how many times you get to see a wild eel? You're only three to five feet away from it. And I look up to celebrate with my family, and they're gone. Both my girls are on the boat already. I mean, I didn't celebrate more than 10 seconds. They were, it was the fastest swim in the world. They were on the boat. Now, when we talk about that, okay, they remember the stingrays. But you know what they really remember? That eel. They remember that eel. See, when Jesus invites us to go along on a trip, to go on a journey, there will be chaos. Chaos will ensue. But this is what Jesus knows. The chaos is where the excitement is. The chaos is where the stories are made. Caroline has uh, coined a phrase in our house. It's called a memory trip. Now, a memory trip is not what you think. A memory trip is where everything goes wrong, okay? All plan A's do not work out on this trip. But this is what she's come to learn. Those are the trips we remember. It's in the chaos that the stories that we tell over and over and over again are formed. You see, a good guide doesn't avoid the chaos. A good guide takes us to it because that's where the excitement is and that's where our memories are born. The journey goes on. It says this, Exodus 14, verse 13, it says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see, uh, you will see the deliverance of the Lord. The Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. So I got the Red Sea on one of my side. I've got the most powerful arm in the world on another side. They are coming down on me right now. And all Moses has to say is, stop. Be still. Stop going crazy. It's all going to be okay. Just stand still. If I was there and Moses told me to stand still, I said, you are crazy. Let me tell you something. I have learned that my gut reaction 
is not always the best reaction. God keeps showing me over and over again that the thing that I want to do in the middle of crisis is not always the thing to do. Sometimes I just need to be still and let him fight for me. About that same time of the cruise, girls were about the same age. We took a trip to the Dominican Republic, and it was kind of a work trip for Kim. There was a school there that uh, Kim works in the education department, and there were some teachers from A&M that were working in the school. And uh, we got to go along as a family. It's kind of a cool deal because it was also a Christian school, and so I got to see what they were doing there. And so it was a great time. We were up in the mountains of the Dominican Republic, and then we decided for the last couple of days we were just going to drive down to the coast and um, spend the last few days there. Well, we didn't rent a car, and so we arranged for transportation. So the guy came and picked us up. We put all of our bags in, and, and seemed like a nice enough guy. Uh, didn't speak a lot of English, and um, so the communication was, was difficult, but we all got loaded in, and we started driving down the road. And like, I'm in the front seat, and the girls are in the back. And we just get out of the town, and he looks over at me, and he, he pulls this little thing down, and he's got a gun right there. And I'm like, why do you have a gun? Like, I didn't say this. This was going on in my head. Like, is there banditos I don't know about? Like, what, what are we going into? Like, what's this journey going to be about? Can I trust you in this journey? So I'm feeling a little uneasy. I'm, I, the communication is not there. I don't want to scare the girls, but I was not feeling comfortable at all. And about halfway down that mountain, one of the girls got motion sickness. And there was a little bit of a mess. Kim had cleaned it up, cleaned her up. But, you know, it caused a little bit of a mess in the car. And so Kim's feeling uncomfortable. I'm feeling uncomfortable. I can't really read what this guy is. And, and truthfully, I haven't been reading him. I've just been worried the whole time we've been driving down. And then out of nowhere, he just pulls over the side of the road. And Kim and I are really like on high alert. And he gets out and walks in this little shack. I mean, it is just a dilapidated shack. And everything in me wanted to grab my family and run. I didn't know where we'd run to. We're going to live off the jungle. I don't know <laughs> what we're going to do here, but that's what I wanted to do. He comes back and he has a plastic sack. He pulls out a Sprite and some crackers. All he wanted to do is take care of my little girl. When I couldn't, he wanted to fight for my family. And what I realized, he was showing me the gun to say, when you ride with me, I will protect you. I will fight for you. You are my responsibility. When we ride with God, we're his responsibility. The greatest act of love we can show someone is to let them fight for us. It's the most humbling, it's the most vulnerable place we can go, especially as a man. I can tell you this is something I struggle with. God keeps teaching me over and over again. You just sit still and watch how big I am. He goes on and says this. We skip down in the story, down to verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hands over the sea, and all, the night, and all through the night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. There is no way 
Anyone in that band of people could have believed that this is how God was planning on rescuing them. This had never been done before. It's never been done again. God literally takes the sea and rips it apart. I'm sure the two walls of water were as high as this building, if not higher. And then the children of Israel walked not just on dry land, but land that had never been dry before. That's incredible. They don't get that moment unless they're vulnerable with God. You get the Instagram pic when you're willing to trust the God. When we're willing to go with God, we've never gone before. We get to see things we've never seen. I asked Lindsay Cox, she's in charge of our hospitality team, to help me edit my, my talk this week. When she got to this part, she just looked up at me and she said, God's glory's in our story. I said, man, that is so true. When we trust God, when we travel with God, He takes His places we can't imagine. We could have never gone there on our own, on our wildest dreams, where the journeys take us. It's It's crazy. And in that, God shows how big of a God He is. How good of a God He is when we're willing to be vulnerable and trust Him on the journey. Not only does He show it to us, He shows it to all the people around us. And I think most of us in this room would like to trust God a little bit more. We know that there are some things that, man, we hold back from him. We're not really honest about pushing all of our chips on the table. We're following him, yes, but man, there's some things, like, I know I need to give you that, God, but man, I'm struggling with this. And this is what we say. We have prayers like this, God, if you would only, then I could. If you would only show up in this for me, then I could give this to you. If you would only do this thing, then I would have the trust I need to fully surrender. That's not how it works. It doesn't work that way. You see, we don't gain trust in people for what they do for us. We gain trust in people because we give them something we care about and they protect it. A guy can want to date my daughter. And he can come to the house and he can do everything in the world for me to gain trust in him. He can answer any slew of questions that I might have. He can bring references from people that I admire saying how great of a guy he is. He can go run his own background check and bring me the report. And all that's great. But I don't begin trusting him until I say yes to his request and open myself up to the possibility of pain. My trust in him does not start happening until the two of them walk out the door. To trust, we have to be vulnerable. To trust in God, you have to make yourself 
vulnerable to him. It's the way it works. It doesn't work by bargaining. The people in Jesus' time kept saying, show me one more miracle, show me one more miracle, show me one more miracle, and just like the miracles aren't going to make you trust me. You've got to give yourself to me. Renee Brown is a psychologist and a, not a psychologist, she's a professor and a researcher at the University of Houston. And she has written, uh, she's an author and she has one of the most watched TED Talks uh, ever viewed. She also has a talk that's on Netflix. And her research is into bravery and vulnerability. And she defines uh, vulnerability like this. When you feel uncertain, when you feel at risk, and when you feel emotionally exposed. How many of us were taught we need to be brave? You need to go out and be brave. Conquer the world. You can do this. Fight your fears. You got it. How many of us also were taught that we don't need to be vulnerable? Those two cannot go together. Bravery does not come without vulnerability. If you're going to be brave, you have to be vulnerable. It's the only way that it works. We've got to learn to lean into vulnerability and not lean out. Trying to protect ourselves is killing us. The suicide rate in America is astronomical. And it's because we keep telling ourselves, I need to close myself in. I need to shut myself off. I need to protect my heart. I need to protect my spirit. And we get smaller and smaller and smaller until we're left with only ourself. And when we're only by ourselves, depression, sadness move in. We've got to fight the urge to close off and lean into vulnerability if we're going to be healthy and have the lives each and every one of us want to have. She then dispels some myths about vulnerability. The first one is this. Vulnerability is a weakness. I'm going to tell you right now, that's just a lie. I have several individuals who work on this staff. When they come into my office, sometimes they break down and start crying. And they feel bad, and sometimes they feel ashamed, and I look at them and I say, you should never, ever be ashamed for showing emotion. Showing emotion because they're passionate about something. It takes great strength to sit in your boss's office and be passionate about what you want to do, so much so that you let yourselves become emotional about it. That's strength. Not walling yourself off. We cannot have strength if we don't have vulnerability. Number two, she says this. I don't do vulnerability. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> you do. We all do vulnerability. If you want to check and see how vulnerable you are, go find somebody you really love. Somebody's going to be brutally honest with you and say, hey, how do I deal with vulnerability? And they're probably going to tell you really bad. <laughs> because your personality, all the things that you're ashamed of in your personality are designed to protect you from being vulnerable. Your quick temper is protecting vulnerability. Your passive aggressiveness is designed to 
protect you from vulnerability. Your passiveness, when you want to run away, is designed to protect you from your vulnerability. We all do vulnerability. Some of us just do it better than others. Next one is this. I can do it alone. Yes, we can't. We're hardwired as human beings to need relationships. We can't go it alone. And going alone is killing us. Number two, you can take the risk out of vulnerability. You can't. If you go back to her definition, you can't do it. We can't do unrisky things and say we're being vulnerable. That's not being vulnerable. We have to take risk. We have to expose a part of ourselves that may get hurt to really move forward. She says this then, trust comes before vulnerability. I hope I've shown today that that, that can't happen. We always got to have vulnerability. Vulnerability builds trust. Trust builds vulnerability. It's, that's how the cycle works. And the last one is this. You measure vulnerability by the amount of disclosure. Going on Facebook and ragging your um, spouse for your breakup is not being vulnerable. It's being immature. Vulnerability is not measured by how much you tell. Vulnerability is what you tell you don't know how the person sitting across from you is going to react. That's bravery. When you've got to look somebody in the eye and you've got to be totally honest with them. It may just be, hey, I like you. You want to go out for a date? Or it may be, I cheated on you. But I still love you. And I really want to figure out a way to make this work. Vulnerability is the key. We've got to have it. If we want to grow in our relationship with God, we've got to grow in our vulnerability. I think there's three things that we need to do on this journey. How do we become vulnerable with God? First, you have to say yes to the journey he's inviting you on. Look at it over and over again. Jesus never asked somebody, hey, follow these rules. He said, hey, follow me. When he had an encounter with someone, he said, come with me, follow me. That's what he does with us. That's what God does with us. Picture this. You're in a car. It works totally fine. But you have no idea where you're going, and so you're stuck. God comes pulling up in a junker. I mean, it is just a beater. Looks over at you and says, hey, can I help? He sees the hesitation in your eyes, and he says, don't worry. I know where you need to go. Just follow me. In that moment, you get to decide, am I going to be vulnerable? Am I going to follow this person I don't know in this beat-up car? Am I going to take my foot off the brake, and am I going to hit the accelerator? If we want to grow in our relationship with God, we have to hit the accelerator and start following him. Secondly, we have to start traveling in his accommodations. You see, at first, we just start following God in our own vehicle. And we're like, hey, this is not too bad. I can turn off anytime I want to. But then all of a sudden, we get to a spot, and our vehicle is no longer equipped to continue the journey. If we're going to follow along... We have to get out of our vehicle and get into his. Or the journey stops. And we're stuck again. 
at each stage of our journey, vulnerability propels us to the next stage. And every time we're vulnerable with God and we take that next step, he reveals how much more we can trust him. And it gets built upon and built upon and built upon. But every day it's a decision, God, I'm going to follow you today. God, I'm going to stay in your vehicle today. And then third, to grow in our trust in God, we have to be vulnerable with the people God puts on the journey with us. You see, God has surrounded us with people that are taking the same journey we're taking. And he doesn't want us to take it alone. He wants us to get to know the people on the journey with us. Now, I'm going to tell you this. When you're vulnerable with people, they're going to hurt you. They're going to let you down. But we don't pull our strength from how they react to us. We pull our strength from how God reacts to our vulnerability. He gives us the courage to move forward. Not them. He gives us the strength to not shut ourselves in, but continuing to be vulnerable with people. To continue not letting someone's actions not destroy us from the next actions. Guess being in a relationship with Jesus is just like being with anyone else. In a crowded room, he locks eyes with you. And he doesn't turn away. He's vulnerable in that moment, and he locks eyes with you. And in that moment, you see him saying, I want to get to know you. I want you to get to know me. He does not waver. He continues staring you down. And then he moves forward. No matter whether you're looking at him or not, he moves forward and walks up to you and says, I want to journey with you. I want your story to become my story and my story become your story. And then he completely shows how vulnerable he's willing to be in this relationship by climbing on a Roman cross and there exposed for the world to see with nothing that can hide from him. He says, I hold nothing back from you. I give you everything. You have all of me. I want you to have every piece of me. I don't want to hide anything from you. What are we going to do? Are we going to lock eyes with him in that moment? Or are we going to turn away? Are we going to meet his vulnerability with our own vulnerability? Because when we do that, when we do that, we start finding a freedom that we've never known. Whenever we trust God enough to step into his hands, say, God, I'm along for the ride. I'm going to let you take care of the rest. When we do that and we start that journey, we begin to see that God is so big. He's big enough to split the oceans in two. He's big enough to be defeat death. And we start seeing, God, you're so much bigger than I thought you were. And when we do that, we begin to trust God the way we need to and the way he wants us to. I've invited the band to come back out and do one more song for us. It's a new song, and uh, I think that whenever you put an idea to music, man, it, it, just, it just hits home. 
It's been powerful to me, and I hope you enjoy it today. As Justin leads us, I would invite you to start singing along. But as you sing along, you will start seeing. You have to be vulnerable to sing these words. You have to be honest to sing these words. At the end of this song, I'm going to come back and close us in prayer.
sing that line one more time together. I will rest. I will rest in the Father's hands. Leave the rest in the Father's hands. I will rest. I will rest in the Father's hands. Leave the Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.